4: Good Thursday afternoon and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Super Talk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. The ceasefire text line is always open to you, 601-879-4395. Learn more about them online at cspire.com. C Spire, customer inspired. Uh, We don't do this often, but from a scheduling standpoint, this is what has worked. And uh, we are glad to have Cole Kubelik on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, Cole Works at Jocks in Birmingham on the SEC Network and ESPN, and uh, good to catch up, Cole. Thanks for uh, squeezing us in among the daddy duties on a, a Thursday afternoon.
5: Oh, I'm good. We just have uh, karate, tennis lessons. You know, pickup. That's just a couple things here. We're trying to trying to manage, but we'll get it done.
4: And by golly, when you're actually in town, you you better help with that stuff.
5: <laughs> as much as I'm gone, I don't have a choice. It's uh. I love it, but yeah, it's um, I'm I i do not know how my wife does it to be honest with you. I uh,
4: I get it. Uh, I think I'm in the same boat where you know mar- married up and it uh, it is it's really good. Let's jump in and talk about some of the games this weekend. Um, probably the I guess there are two headline games in the SEC this weekend, but Ole Miss and Georgia in Athens, a top ten matchup. You and I talked about this game a, a little bit earlier this week on uh, on Sirius XM. Like, high level, when you look at this matchup, one, do you think Ole Miss has a chance? And two, what stands out to
5: you? No, I absolutely think Ole Miss has a chance. They're you know, they a team that has multiple weapons in a lot of different places that, that can take over a game. I mean, Quenchon Judkins can take over a game. He's that dynamic of a back. I think he's the best back in college football. Uh, Trey Harris has proven that... It doesn't really matter how you cover him, or if you if you roll a safety towards him, or if he is actually covered. I mean, he can still make plays, and he can make you pay whether it's catch and run, fifty fifty balls down the field. I mean, he's dynamic. So you're throwing guys like like Dayton Wade and Ulysses Bentley that can help you in other ways, and a quarterback that understands that system and understands how to manipulate the reads and get the ball in the right places, and then can just be a bit of a playmaker on his own. I think that's the area that Jackson Dart probably does not get enough credit for this year is just when he sort of ad-libs and becomes a bit of a playmaker. Uh, He's been pretty good doing that. So, you know, the defense is improved. I'm not ready to say it's elite or put it up there with, you know, Alabama or Georgia right now, but they're better than they have been. They're more capable than they have been on that side of the football. Now, we'll see the depth be tested again this weekend, and that's something that's going to be a little bit of a challenge, and playing on the road is always tough. But with what they're going to be able to do formationally and potentially being able to utilize a little bit of tempo, adding some quarterback run, which makes you defend an extra gap, you can go plus one, which will give you an extra blocker in the run game, All of those things will be advantages for Ole Miss. The thing is you just have to do it consistently for four quarters, and you're probably not going to be able to make many mistakes. Something that that Georgia may have the luxury to be able to do at home is get away with a bad mistake or two and potentially still come out with a win.
4: Missouri had some success running the ball last week. Uh, Having seen both Ole Miss and Missouri maybe even multiple times this year, are there similarities in the scheme of the run game uh, does Ole Miss's run game line up to, to do what Missouri did a week ago? Uh,
5: not necessarily. Um, I think there are things that Ole Miss can do that Missouri couldn't do that could also be successful. But when Missouri got it going in the second half, that was mainly the stretch play. And what they do really well is they know how to cut off the backside, which is going to get you cutback lanes. They have really good offensive tackles that can either kick out or reach the front side. And they have a back in Cody Schrader that just has a good feel for how it operates. Now, when we had Ole Miss earlier this season, you know, I can remember Lane saying, hey, we need, we can't just be a zone run team. Like, we're not as powerful as we've been in the past up front. So we're going to have to go a lot of gap scheme stuff. And that's, that's really where I think Ole Miss makes the majority of their living running the football. But one thing that Ole Miss does, and actually it's funny, I, I texted AQ Shipley because I was listening to him on Pat McAfee's show yesterday, and they were talking about, like, creativity in the run game in the NFL and in college and how it's gone. And everybody just runs duo and inside zone, and then they'll make a toss every now and then. And I was like, buddy, you need to go watch Ole Miss. You need to go watch UCLA. Um, you know, you need to go watch Texas. Like, there are a couple teams in college football that still add a lot of creativity to how they run the football. And I think Charlie Weiss Jr. and Lane – We qualify for that. You're going to get new wrinkles each and every week, and they're going to give you different things that can steal your eyes on a weekly basis, and that's tough to defend. So they won't be able to do it. They don't run the stretch play as well as Missouri does, so they can't just live and die on that. But there are other things that they do very well, specifically with formations, with personnel grouping, how they'll insert a tight end one week and then won't insert him the next week. You know, maybe how they'll double a certain guy or they'll lock the backside of a certain play and then they'll change that going into the next week. Those can all be big advantages. And When you have a quarterback, like I said, that has a good feel for just how to manage everything and two running backs that are pretty dynamic, I mean, you, you've got a good chance to get the run going. The problem is with the gap scheme stuff, those Georgia edge defenders, I mean, they are killers out there on the edge. It's, one, it's the main reason that Kentucky's run game didn't work. And Everybody thought, oh, Kentucky ran against Florida – they'll just be able to run it against Georgia. And it's like, no, when you watch those overhanging defenders, those edge defenders, like, they turn their shoulder pads and attack pullers. Like, and they, they want to take you out of the game. And not a lot of teams play it that way. So that's why the counters and different things like that will be a little bit more difficult for Ole Miss to get going.
4: You played on the offensive line. You dealt with injuries yourself. You had teammates that dealt with injuries. We get the news kind of leaking out yesterday that Micah Pettis – uh, has got a foot injury and is not expected to go. How does that affect Ole Miss up front?
5: Well, anytime it's, it's one of your guys and, and one of the, one of your regular fives that goes out, I, I mean, I think that's difficult. Um, obviously, Jaden Williams has played a lot. Uh, I think he's played a little bit more recently. So you do have some experience there that can step in and at least have the understanding of what the speed of the game, the physicality of the game is going to be even if Georgia is at a completely different level, uh, that's a good thing that you're not just having to go to the next guy that really hasn't played this year. But I thought Pettis had really been coming on. I thought he had played much better the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, he yeah. had his struggles earlier in the season, but I thought he had, he had a little physicality. he has been finishing in the run game. That's so a big hit because when, like I said before, when you want to utilize that tempo, you want to go fast. You, you know, you want your guys that are best suited and best adept to be able to handle that. But, I do think that there's a little bit of a luxury with how they've been rolling some guys in over the last three, four weeks that could potentially help them out here.
4: Switch over to Mississippi State just for a second. You were in the booth last week with Tom for uh, for that game. Obviously, this has been a disappointing season. Is there anything that you see from Mississippi State that gives you reason to believe that they can do some good things A&M this week, Southern Miss next week, and then the Egg Bowl on Thanksgiving night?
5: It's a really funny question because I had the conversation with Roman Harper when we were taping our show Monday night, kind of in between a couple of different things that we were looking at and turning in some plays and um you know, I've talked to it with Greg doing our show in the mornings a couple of times. Like I think there are a lot of things that I see. Now, is it how they operate? Is it with the operation? Is is it schematically? Not not as much, but I mean there there are guys on that team that can make plays. And like, we, we know that Tulu can make plays. Like, you go look at Xavier Thomas two weeks ago against Auburn, like, he comes out of nowhere. Like, guys make – and it's not just, like, easy catch and then make a dynamic run. He was making tough catches. Like, Harmon at tight ends has turned into a really physical blocker here down the stretch. Um, you, know, you look at, at the safety position, the way Ten comes down and plays near the line of scrimmage. Like, he's making some good plays. You know you have two of the best linebackers in the league. Uh, when Woody Marks is in the game – He can be a dynamic runner. I think some of the younger running backs are at least running hard. I think Cole Smith has played great football at center this year. So it's one of the things that when I watch him, I'm like, man, like there's a lot of the pieces that are there that could help this team be successful. They just got to find a way to to get on the same page and collectively have the understanding of how to make things operate. And let's just, let's still keep in mind. I know a lot of people over there didn't want to believe this, but that is a very difficult transition to go from the air raid to what they're attempting to run. Now it's not just going to work. It takes time. It takes a long time. Just like the air raid was going to take time to be really good when you adapted to that. And then now you're going through another transition with Mike Wright at quarterback who, who can't really give you true balance yet as a passer. He's just, it's not who he is. Yeah. He gives you more of a run threat at quarterback, but he's just, he's not a guy that's going to be able to pick you apart and make a lot of the throws that you need him to consistently. So that's asking a lot for a college football team, but I do see pieces that could allow them to still do some good things down the stretch.
4: Cole, appreciate your time. Always great catching up, and uh, we'll talk soon.
5: Sounds good, Richard.
4: Thanks for having me. Cole Kubelik joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. He is uh, co-host of the McElroy and Kubelik show, Mac and Cube on jocks in Birmingham. He's got his own podcast, The Cube Show. He's doing the SEC Network show on Monday nights. He's in the booth or on the field on Saturdays. A lot going on for Cole. Uh, appreciate his time. Sports Talk Mississippi. We've actually got another guest coming up on the other side of this break. So we'll go back-to-back guests and then the three of us the rest of the way. Just getting started. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: What happened? What the heck are you doing? Sports Talk Mississippi on your radio and in the game. Sports Talk Mississippi.
4: Let's just keep riding this guest train. Ben Hartsock joins us. He works at Sirius XM Radio. He's a former tight end at Ohio State. Spent about a decade in the NFL. Loves RVs, and last week he went back home to be on the farm for uh, for some time. Ben, good afternoon.
3: What's up, brother? How are you? H-
4: how was uh, how was Combine Country?
3: Man, it was it was awesome. It's uh, I had a couple of my buddies when I came back. They inquired about possibly putting together like a dad farm fantasy camp, maybe next fall for the harvest and. and <laughs> I reached out to my dad, I reached out to my dad and my uncle. My dad's 76. My uncle's like 68. So they're, they've been doing this a while. And my uncle, I told them about, you know, these guys want to do it. And my uncle said, uh, responded to the text. He goes, every day it's a fantasy.
4: <laughs> wow. Uh, and work also. It is, it is work on the farm as well. So, uh, maybe some free labor out of it. Maybe they pay you to come work at the, uh, at the harvest. Um, I wanted to. I know you still focus a ton on the Big Ten. Uh, former Ohio State guy and work at uh, on the the Big Ten channel on on SiriusXM. We've got this. I mean, there's so much happening right now in the Big Ten, on the field and off the field. Let's start on the field. This game this weekend with Michigan and Penn State. So much off the field happening with Michigan. Is Penn State getting the Wolverines at the right time, or is this absolutely the time that you don't want to play Michigan?
3: I I mean, I I guess it should be, but Michigan has been complete Teflon for the past two years. The guys on the field have continually been able to overcome one, whether you want to call it a scandal, a controversy, uh, something provocative. I mean, for two years in a row – Jim Harbaugh has flirted with the NFL openly, and and the, the, the team still bounces back and plays at a high high level. They fired their offensive coordinator, uh, unrelated to the the sign stealing scandal, but has had his house raided by the FBI. Mm-hmm. There was a contract dispute between the athletic director and and Jim Harbaugh to the, and and it seemed like the, the relationship between the athletic director Ward Manuel and Jim Harbaugh is so fractured that the president of the university had to speak publicly on their behalf uh, throughout the offseason. So I, I understand what you're saying, Richard, about, about getting them at the right time, but Michigan, the players themselves have done a spectacular job of putting that stuff beside uh, behind them and, and not letting them distract them, and they've done a great job of playing at a high level.
4: All right, football only. Is Penn State good enough to beat
3: Michigan at home? Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- this is as, as good and as talented of a Penn State team uh, as James Franklin has had, and and they're getting healthy at the right time. Chop Robinson uh, and and uh, Lenovo, another defensive lineman, but Chop Robinson specifically at the D line rush position missed a couple games. Been out since the Ohio State game. Uh, is supposedly is coming back, and and I would I would say that that Penn State has as many, if not a couple more guys. That'll be playing on Sundays than, than the Michigan Wolverines has. Uh, so talent isn't going to be the differentiator. What Michigan has uh, right now is the between the ears factor that Penn State got boat race last year and, and Penn State couldn't get past Ohio State. Penn State hasn't gotten past Michigan, and last year Michigan put a, put a 400 yards rushing on them. So it, it, it's that between the ears element that, that Penn State has to overcome
4: the point total the over under in Rutger Iowa uh, Rutgers and Iowa is 28 and a half and the majority of the money that is being wagered on this game is coming in on the under. Have you ever seen anything quite like this? People have been riding the under on Iowa games for several years now but this has taken
3: it to a different level. 28 and a half for the total. Oh, oh, you got to understand. We've got three consecutive weeks now of Iowa games where the under was setting, the over under was set and breaking new records, new modern records. And, and last week, they, they two weeks ago they hit the under. Last week they hit the under, scored seventeen points. It, two, three weeks ago the record was thirty and a half, and yep. then it was twenty nine and a half last week versus Northwestern. They hit the under, and this week it's twenty eight and a half. And so. <laughs> it seems like easy easy money, seems like slim, or, uh, too easy to, don't overthink it, but 28-and-a-half, and, and Rutgers is a team that Gavin Wimsett their, their quarterback, is, is uh throwing about 50% completion, and, and they've got a good run game, but Rutgers is a, a talented defense. You watched them hold Ohio State in check a week ago, so, yeah, I, I don't see any reason why I wouldn't be compelled to take that under. Yeah,
4: I mean, I guess – 14-13, if, uh, if it got that high scoring, would still be an under in uh, in that one. I do want to go back to Michigan for a second. Uh, as a guy who played in arguably the biggest rivalry game in, in college football and one of the biggest rivalries in all of sports, uh, all of American sports, um, my guess is that you don't love Michigan, that, that maize and blue are not the uh, the colors that you choose for your automobile. You don't have your RV painted in maize and blue. <laughs> Um, but objectively how bad is this and how real is the effect of the sign stealing from Michigan in terms of on the field play?
3: Well, it's interesting how it seems like Michigan's defense now is, is it's not that we didn't do it. it's they're pushing back by saying it looks like everybody did it. And so we'll parse through all of that. But, but so it's, if Michigan is the only one that was doing it, it was a slanted playing field. It was a one hundred percent a slanted playing field. I, I thought about this the other day, Rich. I, I, it was in the in the pre NIL area. About the most scandal,ed uh, the the biggest scandal you could have was paying players under the table, just buying recruits. Sure. And, and I argue that this situation is not as big a deal as flat out paying for players because players still have to play. Players still Sometimes don't pan out. So if you pay that five star recruit millions of dollars and he doesn't pan out. But when we're talking about knowing run versus pass, it's, it's, it, it takes the field and it gives, and it tilts it in a complete direction. And, and what's interesting is for the past two weeks now, everybody that's ever DVR'd a Michigan game has gone through and tried to find and we have, and, and has been found several suspicious looking circumstances of players. Knowing exactly what was happening, whether I, I saw the entire Michigan D line not rush in unison on a screenplay. Like it just seems so hmm. suspicious every step of the way. And so if, if everyone was doing it and, 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 and that then I guess leveled the playing field, then, then let's hammer everybody and we're going to have new rules and regulations placed in, in place. But it certainly doesn't, everybody knows that. If, if, if your opponent screams uh, Hail Mary every time they pass the ball and you pass that information to your team, nobody's getting their, their uh, panties in a bunch about that. But what Michigan is being accused of is a full blown uh, CIA level op network of operatives scattered across the country that are, that's the key distinction. Uh, the, 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 the Being in, in stadiums, which was security film and, and public Venmo records, it's starting to look hard to, to argue against. So these other accusations of other schools, they don't seem to have the same paper trail. That is the key distinction between the two. So I, I think it is significant. I think I, I gave the example. I was at Michigan two years ago uh, right. in Ann Arbor when they finally punched through the glass ceiling, and I watched Aiden Hutchinson take the left tackle and launch him into the background. It was one of the most impressive athletic things that I've ever seen. And that's – whether or not Aiden Hutchinson knew the signal or not, that was a spectacular athletic feat. But the difference is if Aiden Hutchinson knew I don't have to do run responsibility, that tilts the playing field because that's the game within the game is knowing run versus pass, knowing do I have to keep outside contained or do I have to run, uh, you know, hold C-gap contained. If he knew without a doubt that he could pin his ears back and rush the passer – it changes what the, the, the athletic greatness that he did.
4: Hey, we're, we're up against a break, only about a minute and a half left. Um, Jim Harbaugh claims no knowledge of this. In, in your mind, is there any possible way that the sign stealing was happening and that they were somehow getting information to Michigan players on the field without Jim Harbaugh knowing it?
3: It, I can't imagine how. Maybe there's some level of plausible deniability that, that you, you hear about when you watch, you know, government shows, CIA shows. But, but ultimately, it didn't matter whether Pat Fitzgerald knew or not with the hazing scandal that cost him his job. And, and there's plenty of examples of, of corporate America where executives, uh, mid-level executives doing criminal things, and it's the CEO that ultimately pays the piper and, and loses his job and pays the fine, whatever the, the consequence may be. So I don't see that as really that big of a factor, whether if this is proven to be true, Michigan, and specifically Jim Harbaugh, Harbaugh will play a deep, deep uh, consequence.
4: Ben, thanks for your time. Enjoy this college football weekend coming up. It's a good one.
3: Yep, same to you guys. Have a good one. All
4: right, buddy, good catching up. Ben Hartsock, former NFL tight end, spent about a decade in the league, uh, All-Big Ten tight end at uh, at Ohio State, and uh, works at Sirius XM Satellite Radio. National All champion right. as well. Uh, he is a former Buckeye national champion. It'll be us coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort. Oh, I got to work now? After the. Yep, time to go to work, hey, Dan. Oh, We're back right after this. <laughs>
0: believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: let talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday afternoon. Getting closer to a big college football weekend. Thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Uh, let's see. Let's go to the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Um, somebody said, ask Cole about the hookers in Pontotoc. Tom, Tom flew great. way too close to the sun to that one because
6: I, I, I the, the one thing I love about Tom Hart is that he will use local references that only the fans of the teams know. Yeah. I love that about him. But when you use that word, <laughs> and there, it's a very small niche of people that would have known what he was talking about. Instead, the overwhelming majority of the audience thought that Tom Hart was talking about hanging out with... That was Cole, it wasn't Tom. Or, yeah,
2: that was Cole.
4: Yeah, Cole was talking about hanging out with... Hookers. Yeah. But Cole the had The hookers. A, Cole had a former teammate... When he played at Auburn, whose last name was Hooker, who was from Pontotoc, Mississippi. Aye, yeah, yeah, that was uh, everybody good knows text. that. Come on, yeah, good, good text. Uh, hey, Dad. hey, Dad, I texted John Sumrall last night as a candidate on Thunder and Lightning. You said that he would be an A plus hire, but no way he would come to Mississippi State. His brother Joe is a close friend. You were dead wrong. I talked to Joe. Happy to give you in-depth information. Oh, okay. Sounds great. But did, did you list candidates last night? Is that, is that what Thunder and Lightning on the radio we,
2: was? We talked, we, we talked about some potential candidates. Okay. Some folks were really excited to hear about it. Some fans and some people and some bus drivers weren't. Um. Richard,
4: please repeat what game you are calling. I've got Memphis at Charlotte this weekend.
2: That's a great city, Charlotte,
6: the big city. You got to go find S-League city, Queen City. Well, breweries aren't really exactly your thing, are they? That's a great brewery city. Is it? Oh
4: yeah. Yeah, I, I will. I, I feel quite confident that I will not be seeking out local breweries while in Charlotte this weekend
6: (laughs) and you know maybe John and Joe Summerall are as tight as you could possibly be uh I have two sisters I'm much closer to one than the other but I have two sisters they don't know my career intentions right now they have no idea if I am wanting to take another job tomorrow or if I've signed a lifetime contract with Super Talk Mississippi they have no idea
2: They're offering lifetime contracts?
6: Do we have those? What's
2: the buyout on
6: that? I mean, you guys are at least getting paid.
4: Well, that's true.
6: I I I still get a a per diem, yeah. uh, (laughs) Drive an Uber. Uh, But anyway, yeah. a
4: -A
2: Chick-fil-A gift card every month.
6: and, And again, I don't know about their situation. I'm just saying not all siblings are as... Locked in, informed about the career aspirations of their siblings, especially when it comes to something like that, as others might be.
2: Yeah, I shot down Sumrall mainly because I think he is going to be a candidate for bigger jobs in Mississippi State
4: this year or in the near future.
2: If not this year, in the near future, I don't know what really big jobs are going to open up, but if he, he's probably a year at Troy away, I mean from sort of going the Napier route, but I think he might be more successful. Yeah. He's a rock star. I mean, and really a lot
6: of it. people have talked for a long time, whether it's true or not, who knows, but Mark Stoops returning home to Iowa after Ferentz retires, which that's been talked about a lot up in Iowa, is, is the possibility of him hanging it yeah, up. Yeah, but,
4: but he, he shot that down a couple of weeks ago. Says he wants to come back. The AD said we're so glad that he's planning on coming back. Same interim AD that announced that his son was not going to be coming back was – was uh, most pleased that uh, Coach Kirk would be returning, um, but if if that day does
6: come here in the near future, Iowa would make a deep run at Stoops, and then
4: somebody would maybe. return to the alma mater. Maybe so, maybe so. I want to go back to our conversation with Colquitt. We need to talk to Mississippi State basketball as well. They uh, they got the season started with a win last night, and we got a whole lot of other stuff to get to. But we got and hey, we got two hours and change left. Um, There was something that Cole Kubelik said about Mississippi State that really stood out to me, and and some interesting thoughts on Ole Miss as well. When I asked him, it was like, Cole, you know, do do you see things that could potentially give Mississippi State a positive end to the year? And he was like, yeah. And he named off about ten players who were playing well and things that were happening well, but he said, but I don't know if the things that can be done fit what Mississippi State wants to do. That strikes me as a problem. If, regardless of what your system is, offensively or defensively, if you don't build around what the players on your roster have the ability to do, I kind of feel like you're doing a disservice to everyone. To the players that's, that are on the team, fun. to the fans that are contributing and buying tickets to games, and to your own career, honestly.
2: It's something I say on Thunder and Lightning, and I say it on this show all the time. Coaches would, A lot of coaches would rather lose their way than win somebody else's way. Nick Saban is the opposite of that. Nick Saban will win any way he can get his hands on. Whatever gives him an advantage, Nick Saban will take advantage of that. Other coaches... Jimbo Fisher is a good example of this. Um, I thought Mike Leach, at times, was a good example of this, would rather just go down with the ship. Rather, this is my system, this is what I do. doesn't matter that I don't really have the players to run it. This is how I'm going to do things. And if we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. But, you know, you get paid the money to win, not just to call the plays. I do
4: kind of think that Mike Leach is an exception. And the reason that I say that is, When you hire Mike Leach specifically, and frankly, he was the only one remaining that called the air raid the way he called it. Everybody else had diversified the air raid. But you know when you are hiring Mike Leach, this is what you are going to do, and everywhere he has been, it's been rocky in the first year, and then it gets a little better and a little better, and then you're kind of off and running. And that was the pattern that was happening at Mississippi State under Mike Leach. He might be the only – we did coach interviews today and was talking with Memphis's offensive coordinator, Tim Cramshay, I think. I don't have his name in front of me. It doesn't matter. Um, It doesn't matter. It does matter. Saturday. (laughs) Yes, Saturday. Saturday. And I will have all of that information directly in front of me, but it doesn't matter right this second. Point was, he is the offensive coordinator that Ryan Silverfield brought in when Kevin Johns left and went to be Mike Elko's offensive coordinator at Duke.
2: Not Chris Johns.
4: Not Chris not Chris Johns, but Kevin Johns. Right. Or Chris Jans or Chris Jans. None of the above. I really thought it was a shout-out last night, but go ahead. Yeah, so I asked him today, I was like, Hey, thinking back to the previous regime and their offensive coordinator, and what the offense has been for the last couple of years, it feels like it was a pretty seamless transition. I was like, I know you're two years into it now, but you know, you're taking steps forward. I was like, how does that work? How did you make that? He said, well, the first thing I did was come in and learn their terminology. He said, it's a whole lot easier for me to come in and learn existing terminology than for me to say, this is the terminology, you guys have to learn it. He said, so we started there. And then I went through film and figured out what these guys were doing well and what pieces of the offense we could hold on to and then worked a little bit of my stuff into that and supplemented it in year one. And then in year two, it became more of a blend. And he's like, now, that that's where we are now. We have blended the things that worked well previously at Memphis. I've been able to import the things that I like kind of from my coaching background. And that is what our offense now is doesn't feel like there was much blending in Starkville this year it was a new offensive system it was not we understand that we have a quarterback that has been very very successful in an air raid offense let's tweak what they were doing and adjust it a little bit and then have like a transition into an offense that that Kevin Barbe and ultimately Zach Arnett want to be their offensive identity it was this is what we're doing different. It hasn't worked.
2: Mm-hmm. And sometimes it ha- it does work. You think back to when, when State hired Dan Mullen. Total change from what Sylvester Croom was doing. Yeah, but the, the difference the is...
4: He had the personnel that could do it.
2: He did, kind of. He didn't have the quarterback at first. He had good running backs and good linemen. But the difference is that Dan Mullen is a good football coach and that uh Sylvester was not a good, was not a great football coach. So that's the key. It's just having a good football coach. Good football coaches will figure things out. Bad ones don't. Sports Talk Mississippi,
4: streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We're back with you right after this.
0: Talk Mississippi. Yeah. On Super Talk. Mississippi
4: Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. You can join us on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Um, there's another point you guys are missing in regard to MSU. Arnett is the new guy who replaced a winner. He needs to make this team his team. Unfortunately, nobody wants to follow the popular leader. Everyone wants to follow the guy who follows the popular leader. Arnett is between a rock and a hard place. Mm. Matt, Matt, hold on. Yeah. I,
2: say I, I don't. I May don't, I respectfully I don't, say I there's a little
4: bit of revisionist history there?
2: I don't have a problem with Arnett making changes to his staff and building the program the way he wants it to be built. He's the head coach, that's his job. His job is to build the program the way he thinks best. But it hasn't worked is the problem. Nobody would be saying any of these things if State was 6-3. and three, But they're 4-5. and five. They've scored 23 points in the last three games. That's an issue. And that falls on Arnett. And so the decisions he's made and the choices he's made have backfired on him to to an extent.
4: Weren't we at about the midway point of the season last year when there was a pretty... Significant portion of the Mississippi State fan base that was not, um,
2: not yes. all that pleased with there, Mike Leach. There's a lot of revisionist history with with the air raid at this point. Of, you know, I mean, the State's offense is really bad this year, really, really bad. But it was not great last season. It was not, and especially in that that swoon they had where they lost to Kentucky. In Alabama and Georgia. Now I know Alabama and Georgia are a little different animal, but offensively, they just those two
4: to, can be forgiven.
2: They were just, but they were just ineffective in those games, and they weren't great offensively against Kentucky, obviously in that loss. They weren't great offensively against Auburn in that game here in Starkville. They won. The weren't great in the Egg defense. Bowl. They won the Egg Bowl on defense, and I, and I've said it a hundred times: if it doesn't start raining in the third quarter and sort of force Leach to go to the run, they lose the Egg Bowl. So. Yeah, you're you're correct, Richard. There there's some revisionist history happening there. I don't know that I've heard you say that about the rain, but uh... oh, I've said it a few times. Yeah, that that I mean, Ole Miss was they weren't controlling the game, but State's offense was completely ineffective, and then State decided to start giving the ball to Dylan Johnson and Woody Marks, and Ole Miss had trouble stopping that, and that's what set up the win.
6: You know, in, in transition years too, and, and not to pile on, but but I think it bears repeating. You see. Hey, that made a really good point the other day. Even if the season is not going like you hope from a wins and losses perspective, not to bring him into this, but Hugh Freeze, 2012 old Miss, they went 6-6. Six and six. Mm-hmm. They had a losing record going into the Egg Bowl. But every week you could see, oh, this guy can coach. They're just lacking here. The schedule's tough. They don't have the right players. Personnel's an issue. But every week they played well and executed and were schemed well. And the messaging from the program was good. And game management even for a Hugh Freeze, who's not great at that sometimes, was really good. In this case, a defensive-minded guy's got a bad defense. The way they play, they're non-competitive against not great teams at home. The Messaging is confusing and uninspiring. And recruiting, literally, is the worst in the SEC at the moment. Yes, behind Vanderbilt at the moment. There is nothing, and I mean nothing, that you can point to and say, I see forward progress here.
4: It's not one thing. And the good news for Zach Arnett is he's got three weeks left in the season to show some of that. Mm-hmm. and. And he's got to do that. Absolutely has to do that. And it it has to start Saturday. It's a difficult opponent in in Texas A&M. For all the jokes about Texas A&M, one of the things we kept going back to a week ago was the fact that that's a really talented roster. they got a lot of good players. And a defense that is, you know, can kind of get after you. It's a pretty good front seven. It's an offense that showed some life last week against Ole Miss. How banged up is Max Johnson? I do think it would be qualified as a shocker if Mississippi State went to College Station and beat Texas A&M this weekend.
2: Yeah, they're 17-point underdog.
4: Yeah, based on the the point spread, if nothing else. But crazier things have happened in college football. And goodness, you, you would feel different about Mississippi State on Saturday night and Sunday morning. If somehow they found a way to get a win over Texas A&M in College Station, because then they'd be a win away from bowl eligibility, and they'd have some momentum going into the final two games of the regular season. I know you're not buying it. I I, I, I get it,
2: but it is what it is.
4: But I mean, think about it, like. Mississippi State has a little bit of success defensively and puts some pressure on Max Johnson, and he's not 100 percent and forces him into a couple of bad decisions, creates a couple of turnovers, and you yeah, know you break a player too offensively, it eh, might be enough. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi, four o'clock hour coming up with you. Talk some state hoops when we come back.
6: I listen to it at work at work
0: sports talk mississippi sports talk mississippi on super talk mississippi did you get that memo yes sir
4: Power number two of Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com to book your tea time today. That's Dancing Rabbit Golf, part of Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395, 601-879-4395, C Spire, customer inspired. The Township Blues Festival hits Colony Park in Ridgeland on Saturday with, man, what a great lineup, with Cedric Burnside, uh, Brandon, Taz, Niederauer, and others. Great food, drinks, they got big screen TVs. If you want to keep up with the games that are going on, great deals are available now on tickets at townshipblues.com. And if you are a Blues fan, now is your chance to win a pair of tickets to see Cedric Burnside and more at the Township Blues Festival on Saturday. Be the seventh person, number seven, lucky number seven, to text... The ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395, with the word Township. Township. Seventh texter on the ceasefire text line to win a pair of tickets to see Cedric Burnside and more. It'd be a cool deal Saturday night. Um, basketball last night. Mississippi State opening the season in Chicago. And the Barstool Classic, all right, I think we got a winner on the ceasefire text line. Michael Borky will get your information and uh, get that to you. Barstool Classic in Chicago last night, Mississippi State, Arizona State. It was not a basketball game that will be hanging in the Louvre in the near future as one of the greatest basketball artworks of all time, but it was a win. And it was an under. If you were paying attention yesterday, you were a winner last night on the under. Different type broadcast. Very different type broadcast than if you flip on the SEC Network or CBS or Fox Sports or whatever. But you knew that going in. Second year that Mississippi State has participated in the uh, in the Barstool Classic. What did you guys think? First about the game and then about the broadcast.
2: From a uh from a game perspective, uh clearly very impressive win for Mississippi State. Uh they they were behind ten to nine, and I, I know that because of the enthralling race for ten uh bet that Portnoy and, and Big Cat and by the way, Portnoy Big Cat, listen to this show. You should you would have known to hit the under on that and you could be richer today. Uh, you wouldn't have cross money, but you'd, you'd be doing okay. Um, but they played this game. They from 10-9, They go on a I think it's like a thirty to nine run, something like that. Mississippi State does to close out the second, the first half. Uh, they never trailed uh, after that. Uh, they led by as many I think as twenty three at, at one point. Um, and they did all this with two starters. Whoa, 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 not hold playing. on a second.
4: Hold on a second. Hold on a second. It was ten to nine. Right. And it was thirty-nine to eighteen at the half. I'm not correcting your yes. math. I'm just looking at the note. So that's a thirty no. to eight
2: run to close the half. Yeah, thirty to eight. Wow, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, wow. Yeah, just total, total. Chris Jans They didn't score. Richard, you remember last year that the state would play teams and they would just go through stretches where the other team didn't score. The problem was state wouldn't score in those stretches either. This year, state was able to do that, and they held. They went, I think, seven and a half minutes without a bucket. Did did Arizona State? Um, But they did all that with Shaq Moore and Tolu Smith not playing. Right, you know, Tolu Smith is clearly their best player. Shaq Moore is a very good player, a guy who you can probably count on to get double digits in a lot of games, and he didn't play. You know, Trey Fort's a guy that we kind of forgot about in that signing class when when yeah. uh, Andrew Taylor transferred in and when Josh Hubbard, you know, decommitted from Ole Miss and flipped to Mississippi State. You just kind of forgot about Trey Fort and he, a guy that they were that I know Jans was very high on uh, throughout the recruiting process, and he came in and gave you twenty one points. They shot the three ball pretty good. And most of that was Fort. Uh, they shot they didn't shoot the uh, the ball all and all and all that well, but when you only give up thirty two. Percent shooting, and when you out rebound your opponent by thirteen, you're going to win most games. And it it just looked like Mississippi State basketball out there. Trey
4: Fort last night, really good stat line. He um, he played 33 minutes, was six of 12 from the field, including five of 10 from behind the arc and four of five from the line. Turned it over a couple times, uh, times. He had two rebounds, had an assist, had a block, had a steal. Twenty-one points. He filled up the stat column last night,
2: Mm -hmm.
4: and he is a transfer from Howard College, not to be confused with Howard University. Correct. He's a JUCO. Not not to be confused with Howard University. This is Howard College in Big Spring, Texas, and State certainly needed him last night. He was one of three players in double figures. Jimmy Bell Jr. had 13 points. Jimmy Bell, a transfer from West Virginia. And Deshaun Davis had, what was it, 11? He's a transfer from Oregon State. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. he had 10.
2: He was on the team last year. Yeah, he was on the team last year. He's a returning starter, at least. That's right. Yeah, why do I not? Re- yeah, Bell is the guy. He Bell is the guy that they year? brought in. Oh, yeah, he started most of the games. Yeah, he's starting point guard.
4: Man, my mind. I'm too young for my mind to be so. He started 29 of 31 games, and I called like five Mississippi State games last year. I, I yeah.
2: Well, yeah. right. did you know him by his nickname, Moore, as Rams? No. No. It was, we have it a ton of nicknames Davis. here at anyway. Mississippi State. We have Rams Davis, we have Shaq Moore, we have Tolu Smith. Jimmy Bell's nickname is Tunk, which is an incredible nickname. Bell's the guy they brought in to kind of be that Will McNair, that backup to Tolu Smith, give him some quality minutes off the bench. If he's going to be, right, he's not going to be good for thirteen and nine every game out. But if he's going to be around between eight and ten points and seven eight rebounds, State's going to be just fine while Tolu's out.
4: And and look, Mississippi State beats a Power Five team on a neutral floor by fifteen. Without Tolu Smith, to your point, Mm -hmm. without um, Shaq Moore, and on a night when DJ Jeffries plays 33 minutes and scores one point. Now, he had had nine rebounds. He had one point in the game.
2: The plus-minus loved him. He had a great game from an analytics standpoint because he played good defense, and he had nine rebounds, like you said. But, yeah, his shot was not there last night. Cam Matthews was very good, eight points, nine rebounds for him. But yeah, I mean, Moore and Smith are going to be huge offensive pieces for State, and they weren't there. Now Moore should be back this weekend when they play UT Martin on Saturday. But uh, as far as I know, I, I think it was just a one game suspension for him. But you know, with Tolu, you know, it's, it's it's a waiting process. So this was a very encouraging result. If you were a person who was like, I'm not sure what this team is going to look like without Tolu Smith. Watching them play last night and the way they play, they continue to play defense under Chris Chris Jans. Jans, uh, that you should be uh, you should be pretty enthused. All
4: right, so if you watched it, you know it was a different broadcast. The question is, did you know what you were getting into when you logged into BarstoolSports.tv TV, or you went to YouTube and you got the Barstool stream? If you didn't know what you were getting into. And you are not, um, you're not familiar with Barstool. You probably thought, what in the world am I watching? If you knew what you were getting into, you got exactly what you expected. Is that a fair way to summarize it?
6: Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm.
4: I mean, Ben gives us a message just a second ago. In my opinion, it was an unprofessional broadcast. The one guy, that one guy, ruined the broadcast. Couldn't watch it. I'm assuming that one guy he's talking about is Dave Portnoy. Well, he was hoping
6: for that guy to make that 1-3, and he dropped a
4: MF. He did one In
6: the three. second half, uh, probably so. Now, you can't do that for every game. That's not appropriate for every game. But a neutral site non-conference college basketball game in November... Which ended up being a slog of a game. Credit to Mississippi State's defense for that. It was really entertaining. They they were really funny. Yeah.
2: As a one off, yeah. I, I thought, yeah, it, it, it wouldn't want it every week, but it was fun. You know? right, so and if you're into gambling, that's great. And and if you're someone like me who doesn't mind the occasional uh, curse word getting slipped in there. It's fine. I had I had I
4: enjoyed it. So Barstool has a guy that is a pseudo professional broadcaster. He was the one doing the play by play, Jake Marsh, and then you had um, Big Cat and Dave on the broadcast as well, and they were just gambling their way through the entire basketball game. <laughs> we'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi.
0: Okay, what we do
5: next? Keep it moving, buddy.
0: You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. Triple Eight 808-8637 on Super Talk, Mississippi.
4: So when I described last night's broadcast of the state uh, Arizona State game. I said, if you knew what you were getting into, then it was fine. And if you didn't, you probably didn't like it. And the reactions on the C Spire text line kind of bear that out. Some of the barstool stuff is fun, funny, and entertaining, but it's not my favorite. Just happy it was a good game with a great result. It sounded like me and my friends sitting around calling a game. I loved it. That's from Mike and Laurel. I'm a barstool guy, and I loved it. Plus, all the revenue State gets from it goes to the Bulldog Initiative. It's great. Brandon says, um when I went to the link Mississippi State posted on Facebook, I was like, Wait, what is this? I've never watched via barstool, the F bombs did it for me. I had to turn it. So yeah, I mean that's that's kind of the reaction that I would expect from that type of broadcast. But as a one off, it was fine. Yeah. And if you didn't like the commentary, you could always turn down the volume and just watch the game. That was an option for you as well, or you could listen on the radio.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Because
4: to their Same credit,
6: when they broadcast those games, they invest in the technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, you'd have thought that was a big network broadcast. I mean, everything was – they yeah, had replays. looked entirely
2: like a game you'd see on ESPN, yeah. CBS, whatever. Had, had the camera angles correct, it had, had everything you want.
6: They are I, did,
2: I got a kick out of Jans not wanting to do the halftime or the second half interview. You know, Hurley, they talked to Hurley before the start of the first half, had him on the mic and he asked him a few questions. And uh Jans was like, nah. You remember in this I'm event, coaching last here. Year,
4: Andy Kennedy was mic'd up for like half the game. Yeah. Yeah. When when UAB played Akron or somebody like that,
2: whoever. State played Akron, so that's whoever the other team was, yeah. But I remember that. Okay. Um, That's dangerous ground, but on Barstool, it's okay. You can get away with with the Andy Kennedy language (laughs) on Barstool. You can't do that on ESPN.
6: And, you know, there's – I can't imagine, like, millions of people checked that out. Probably not, right? But the exposure – if Barstool puts anything that they're involved in out there, they have a little army that just consumes it. It's unbelievable mm-hmm. that they, they they can do anything. They could do a podcast literally rating coffee mugs, and tens of thousands of people would download it. It is unbelievable <laughs> just what they do. So last night, if that game was Their on the SEC Network strong. Plus, only Mississippi State fans and the, uh, some Arizona State fans w- would have watched it. I promise you it was for a basketball game in November, a significantly larger audience watched it than would have otherwise.
2: Yeah. Because yeah. you you do have people who just they want to see their favorite personalities. You know, they they were more into uh the Rico Bosco uh uh temper tantrum videos <laughs> and then the half court shot contest and all that. Watching Frank the Tank and mince, good lord, his saw his shot shot was so way off. But you know, that that's what that that's their favorite thing. It's that's their show. That's their the brand that they identify with. So, yeah. And Mississippi State having Brandon Walker there. I mean, they, they're going to have that sort of inside track to this uh, this event if it continues. Now, today on on Twitter, Dave Portnoy said, well, "That's it. We'll never do this again." I think he was just kind of in his feelings about losing. I think he said about thirty grand last night, but it is what it is. <laughs> Big Cat, on the other hand, if he uh, he he was so impressed with what he saw. Said he put a two thousand dollar bet down on Mississippi State to win the national title. Pays three hundred k if the Bulldogs lift the trophy uh, in the at the first week of it, first weekend in April.
6: He didn't hedge. I mean, you know, they they sold their stake in the company, which they got back for millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. And so, you know, five grand to him is basically nothing. But he put a five thousand dollar future on the Eagles to win the Super Bowl last year. One hundred eighty k would have been the payout. He didn't hedge.
2: Yeah, got a hedge at that point,
4: right? I would have you got
6: hedged, man. I would have gotten more than Yeah,
4: yeah but... Uh. All right, so it streamed two different places, right? It was on, on Barstool's website, TV, and it was also on YouTube. They had a five-and-a-half-hour continuous stream. It started with Florida Atlantic against Loyola Chicago. Of course, FAU was a Final Four team a year ago. Loyola Chicago, more of a local team. And you had Arizona State. And Sister Michigan Jean was State. there. Sister Jean was there, yes. Uh, there were 185 thousand views on YouTube. That doesn't count the people that went to the uh, the website. So it's a lot of people for.
2: I watch those, on the website. So.
4: Those two basketball games on a Wednesday night. So let me
2: ask because you, you, I don't know if you okay. know or know or not, but when you do an SEC Network Plus broadcast for, for football basketball, do you, do you have any idea what the viewership is on those?
4: I really don't. It's not 180 thousand. Okay. Well, I mean, it depends on what the the game is.
2: I, 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 I would never, imagine that a I non-conference SEC basketball game would never would not be one hundred eighty thousand. I,
4: I, I have never seen the numbers myself. I have been told that the highest drawing streamed only events, and this was early on, are LSU baseball games. And I can believe that. You might be I have no blown problem away with how big the numbers are for that. Not a million, nothing, nowhere close to that, but it, it's a six-figure audience for LSU baseball games. Um, For Mississippi State or Ole Miss basketball games, I I, I don't know. I guess it would be somewhere south of 10,000, but, but I don't know. And that's just the YouTube views
6: you're talking about. So, I mean, it's tangible. It's real. Yeah. I didn't check out the YouTube. I I pulled it up on my iPad on just barstool.tv. But there is the, you know, we have people in the text on talking about it. There there is that other side of, you know, aligning yourself with the vulgarity. I couldn't possibly care less. I think Mississippi State and Ole Miss should should do stuff like this as much as they can in perpetuity. But I do wonder if there was like God knows,
2: they make us want to do it. Every time they play I'm just like oh
6: But I I do wonder if you know if you're Zach Selman and you pull that up and you hear one of the guys calling a Mississippi State game using mf because your opponent is missing a three point shot kind of makes you cringe a little bit I imagine
2: probably but you have to when you're when you get you know you get in bed with certain people you just got to expect what you expect when you yeah. when you deal with bar stool you like
4: what i said at the beginning If you knew about Barstool, you Mm. knew what you were getting into. If you didn't know about Barstool, okay, maybe you're surprised and you're like, wait, I didn't sign up for that. Okay. There you go. There you go. Somebody said I would not have watched it if it had not been streamed on YouTube. It was entertaining enough. I mean, most people are just kind of ambivalent about it. Yeah, like I don't want all the games to be like that. Last night was fine. Let's go get ready for the next one. Yeah. The, the kid handed them the, his resume to try to get Barstool
6: to hire him, and so they started reading fantastic. his resume as gold.
2: That's fantastic. That's gold. And so now we are proposing the ceasefire classic this upcoming uh, basketball season and it's to be done by us. But in the we're going to have a more, you know, we're going to find like the middle ground between our normal professional lives here and what Barstool did. So we, there may be the occasional, you know, that it kind of thing happening there, but it won't be so over the top. Nor will we be openly gambling thirty k. Right, there, Richard might, but not me. So, if you're listening out there, ceasefire. Let's make it happen. <laughs> also, I want a percentage of the sales because
4: I brought it up. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you do. It's it's great negotiating yeah. you're doing on the uh, on the air there. Um, somebody yeah. says, did. Uh, I'm smart. Did Portnoy really not know how to pronounce Chris Jans' name? Or was that part of the show? He didn't. <laughs> I know he was
2: Chris Johns. Uh,
4: very,
6: very likely he did not know. Yeah,
2: I mean, I mean think Jake was very
6: well prepared. Jake cared yes, because he's a pro, he did, he and, or he wants to be a pro. Dave Portnoy could not have cared less. They, Just showed they up
2: literally, they, they bet on Arizona State, and then State walks on the court, and they see State's athletes, and they go, we messed up bad, guys. <laughs> it's like, look at these guys. They look like they look like Greek gods out there. So I thought it was so funny. they were like, like look at look at them. They're so skinny. Look at these Mississippi State players. So no, they had done no research. If they had done any research whatsoever, they would have bet the under. They would have put. They would have leveraged the company fortune on the uh, on the under. We'd be doing. We'd be hearing today that Barstool Sports has doubled in value. If you just bet the under, goodness. Uh,
4: we're going to get to some football this afternoon. In fact, the 5 o'clock hour is going to be nothing but football. Ole Miss, Mississippi football, State, Southern Miss, and more. But maybe much to the chagrin of Michael Borky, but I he did put include this, it. He put, it in, put the, it in the rundown. They are in the notes. We got news out of the SEC today about the upcoming college ba- I'm sorry, not the upcoming college baseball season, the 2025 college baseball season. If you have not seen this or heard it, we'll tell you about it when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: Is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
4: SEC baseball news today came from the conference office in 2025 for baseball. We will have a 16-team, I mean, in every sport, almost every sport, we'll have 16 teams in the league with the addition of Texas and Oklahoma, but there's going to be a different format to the baseball season. Every team in the SEC will have two permanent opponents, and then we'll rotate through the – eight other opponents to still play 30 conference games like we've had for years and years and years. And so we got the announcement today as to who those permanent opponents will be. Let's start with Ole Miss and Mississippi State, and then we will look at the rest of the league. As you would expect, Ole Miss and Mississippi State will still play each other every year in baseball. Mississippi State's additional opponent is LSU. And that kind of feels like a no-brainer. It's probably the oldest rivalry in the SEC. In terms of, I don't mean it's been played the longest. I'm, I'm talking about in terms of teams playing games of significance with fan bases that really care. That's the one that's been going the longest. With kind of that as the backdrop. I like that they kept LSU Mississippi State going on a year-in, year-out basis. Hey, Dad, do you agree?
2: I just think it proves once and for all that LSU is Mississippi State's real rival.
4: They're also playing Ole Miss, hey, Dad.
2: Who? Mississippi State. Yeah, that that's the secondary game, correct? Yeah, right. <laughs> um. See how dumb it sounds when someone says it? Yeah, I hear you. Continue well, especially when it's not true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly.
4: Exactly. Um, the, the, don't you think it's a good thing that state and LSU are still playing each other every year in baseball, you moron?
2: The, yes, I do. But Thank at you. the same time, I'm like, just like it's like it's like if football came out and said, "Hey, your permanent opponents are Ole Miss and Alabama." Like, ah, great, great, great. Thanks for
4: that. <laughs> Appreciate it, yeah. So, Ole Miss' two permanent opponents, obviously Mississippi State and Arkansas. I like this. It's kind of like you were saying a second ago, I don't know if it's necessarily the one that you really want if you're an Ole Miss fan, because Arkansas is really good every single year. But that's been a really competitive series it's happened every year in the regular season. They've met a bunch in the SEC tournament. They've met multiple times in the postseason in both Super Regionals and the College World Series. I think there's an argument to be made that it's one of the two or three best rivalries in the SEC in baseball. Whether it's in Oxford or, or Fayetteville, it's just just really good. So I like that. I, I think there were some Arkansas fans that pushed back on that. Which Arkansas? I mean, look, and I'm not trying to turn this into a pick on Arkansas thing, but the whole Arkansas looking down its nose at Ole Miss and Mississippi State thing. I mean, it's we got
2: something you ain't got. I
4: mean that that's as tired. I, I'm not talking about just in baseball. I'm talking about in every sport. I oh, mean that's just yeah. that's as tired as a Navy Seal after six weeks in buds training. I mean that that narrative it, because. Outside of a national championship in basketball 30 years ago and a whole bunch of wins in track and cross-country national championships, what has Arkansas done that Ole Miss and Mississippi State haven't? I can tell you something that Ole Miss and Mississippi State have done that Arkansas hasn't. Win football games. (laughs) Well, I mean, baseball is the topic right now. I was talking about a trophy. Oh,
6: but, but Richard, yeah. remember they beat Oregon State. It was a great play on a foul ball. I mean, they they it just beat had them that... in game one. Yeah. They did not
4: win game two. They did not win game three. Oh, but, but I thought
6: they
2: they
4: did no, win. No, the trophy I...
2: went to Corvallis. They didn't win. It
6: was a routine. They won nothing. Nope. Wait, wait, wait. Nothing. Nope. Hold on. Hold on. You're telling me that routine foul ball with plenty of space, just one guy call off the other two, make the play, win the chip.
4: What? They didn't catch that ball? No, he did but, but they were in the league. What happened County, after that? Who is an LSU fan, says that she is happy that LSU and Mississippi State are still playing every year.
2: I'm sure she is.
4: Uh, Bo in Indianola says, I think one team in Mississippi proved that they can compete with LSU.
2: Uh, okay, Bo. Um, See? See, now you You're learning. You're learning.
4: Well, I mean, I don't think all of those stuff's bad. I just didn't think that. Somebody said, heck no, State can't beat LSU at home in baseball. We got screwed. <laughs> I mean, it's the SEC, I, literally.
2: Man. But, yeah, yeah but State the... hasn't beaten LSU at home in, like, haven't won a series at home, I think, since twenty, like 2006, something like that. I mean, it's just a ridiculous streak.
4: Here are the other permanent opponents. Alabama gets Auburn and Tennessee every year. Arkansas gets Ole Miss and Missouri. Uh, Auburn gets Alabama and Georgia. Florida gets Georgia and South Carolina. Georgia gets Florida and Auburn. Kentucky plays South Carolina and Vanderbilt every year. LSU gets Mississippi State and Texas A&M. And we continue to try and make LSU-Texas A&M a rivalry. Um, Ole Miss-Mississippi State-Arkansas State's got Ole Miss-LSU. Missouri gets Oklahoma and Arkansas. Oklahoma gets Missouri and Texas. South Carolina gets Kentucky and Florida. Tennessee gets Vanderbilt and Alabama. Texas gets Texas A&M and Oklahoma. Texas A&M gets Texas and LSU. And Vanderbilt gets Tennessee and Kentucky. I mean, if you just said who's got the easiest out of all of those, I think I would go to Auburn. But, I mean, we've had years where Georgia was really good and Alabama was a postseason team a year ago.
2: Um, They're just inconsistent.
4: Yeah. And, look, if Tennessee continues to be relevant, then Alabama getting Auburn and Tennessee, so they play a rivalry series and then Tennessee every year, it's not exactly easy. Um, I do love that Texas and Texas A&M is going to be played every year. Uh, the, yes. That would be great. Be great.
2: Oh. I do have a question, though. Well, this what is, is that you know I, I don't mind the baseball, thing, but like when are we getting the football schedule for next year? Didn't they say it January? Ha- I, I look. I looked last year's schedule. The twenty twenty three schedule was announced in September of twenty twenty two. Like can we can we just get the schedule? Just put some dates to, to some they, games here, and we'll be on than our lives. It's ever
4: been? I, I thought they
6: said yeah. like somebody. I think it was Peter Burns or somebody said it's coming after the season so it's break. going
2: to be it's going to be in the year of I mean that's that's late I, I would I would just like to have the schedule I, I, you're just putting dates to games here the opponents have already been announced you don't have to go ahead and make your decision on the eight versus nine known you just got to put some dates on some games or I know when one of, I, well I think it back I don't know when one of them is because I don't think Ole Miss and state will be on Thanksgiving night next year what are you just thinking that I don't think it w- uh, I mean, Texas-Texas A&M was always a Thanksgiving pow, pow. game. I mean, <laughs> pow! Uh, I, Pow! I, 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 I that's just my, my thought process there. I don't have any inside information on that. I just That's my thought process.
6: Oh, I need to see the email that Ross Bjork sends to Craig Sankey when they learn that not only do they have to play Texas, but they have to stand alone and play Texas all by themselves on that night. But... Um, no, what they need to do is take a page out of the NFL's playbook. Is what they need to do, and do it when there's no anything going on. We learned in COVID, they can when- put a schedule and logistics together
2: in a few weeks. Even tell the schools. Wednesday night.
6: Ch- yeah, give them a chance. To- Wednesday
2: night before Thanksgiving. That's that's the egg bowl. Nothing else is on. Uh, but
6: give you know, let the schools know. Give them a chance to do something super creative with social media. Bring alums in, or you know, all that stuff, and. In March, or late February, actually, because you don't want to take – got March Madness going on. In late February,
4: do schedule release day.
2: Agreed. I
0: agree.
4: Bo says, are they going to do four divisions in football, and why not all sports? No, they're doing – he says four divisions. Football will be one division. This is the last year of the SEC West and the SEC East. It goes away after this. The SEC championship game starting SEC next North. year will um, will be the top two teams overall playing in the championship game.
2: So. Yeah. As it should be. Yeah. Yes. Looking forward to it. No, no, it's definitely as it should be. Um,
4: hmm there are a lot of people that said they're trying to make plans already. Yes, they need the SEC football schedule for next yeah. year. Somebody said December 13th. Is that is there significance to that day?
2: And that's December, gonna, what day is that?
4: That's what I was looking to see. December what day of the week is that? 13th is a Wednesday.
2: Kind of random. Uh, but, hey. I hope, I hope it is that day. That way, Thunder and Lightning Live, my content's already taken care of. I don't have to do anything else. Hey, you may have full to figure schedule
4: something release. else that day. We're going to be at uh, Stone's Jewelry in Tupelo that day.
2: That means I'm going to be
4: late getting home again. <laughs> Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll continue with you. We will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour coming up after this.
0: And so now back to the- back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Sports Talk Mississippi brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi check out their website genteelapparel.com. you click on the link at the bottom of the page enter your email address and you can get 10% off your on excuse me your online order 10% off your online order and uh, with the holidays approaching what better way to take care of the special people in your life than with a uh, some stuff from Genteel, whether it's golf shirts or it uh, could be the pullovers or the quarter zips or the outerwear, jackets, vest. Michael Borky, big vest guy. They got great looking vests, the, uh, the kind of quilted vest. Really, really good stuff. And I actually had a sneak peek at their spring line not too long ago. They got some great stuff that's going to be coming out, uh, after the first of the year for their spring collection. So check them out online at genteelapparel.com, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Double dip of college football coming your way tonight. ESPN's got Virginia at Louisville kicks off at 6:30 on I think I just said that ESPN from Cardinal Stadium. Louisville's a big favorite in this game, 20 and a half points. 20 and a half points total points in the game 50 and a half. And on ESPN U at 6:30, a little fun belt action tonight with local interest to boot. Southern Miss in Lafayette, taking on Louisiana. The Cajuns are 5-4 and four on the year, 2-3 and three in Sunbelt Conference play. You look at their results from the season. They started the year off with a win over Northwestern State, lost in Week 2 to Old Dominion. They beat UAB and Buffalo in back-to-back weeks, lost to M- Minnesota on the road, beat Texas State, lost to Georgia State, Beat South Alabama. That's a good win, and then they lost most recently to Arkansas State. An Arkansas State team that has gone from Butch on his way out of Jonesboro to one win away from bowl eligibility. And so, that's how you get the five and four record overall. Southern Miss coming off their first win since week one getting the victory against ULM last Saturday. So a short week to get ready for the Raging Cajuns. UL, or ULL if you prefer, is um, what their prefer, eight-point favorite. you got to unmute yourself. Mute, unmute your land. mic. I mean, it's probably just as well for that comment, but...
2: No, I, I said I you know, I respect their decision to refer to themselves as the University of Louisiana. I sneezed. I'm sorry. I was just,
4: e- even if state law technically have. doesn't allow it, they have branded themselves the it's University the of Louisiana. It's the
2: Napoleonic Code, man. You can't, you can't keep up with that.
4: Yep. Um, so UL is an eight-point favorite. Total in the game is 52-and-a-half. Frank Gore Jr. on a tear over the last couple of games. What do you guys think? Two in a row for Southern Miss? You
6: hope so. Uh, I mean, maybe they've turned a corner. We'll see. That's uh, offensive performances in consecutive weeks that make you feel some kind of way. At least you should. What if they put it – or what if they have uh, three in a row? Then maybe you've you've found something in the middle of an otherwise disastrous season.
2: Yeah. Have a little momentum coming to Starkville next weekend.
6: Yeah. Oh, man. If – they win tonight and Mississippi state gets beat in the way the odds makers say they're going to get beat how nervous are state fans going to be next Saturday because you can't, you can't be apathetic I mean you can be apathetic losing to am losing to Kentucky you can't have that when Southern miss comes to town
2: you, you lose to southern miss you should have a new head coach for the Egg Bowl. You should just go ahead and pull the plug on that. Can't lose that game. But they could. They could lose that game.
4: Whew. That would make for, I mean, our week of radio going into the Egg Bowl is always a lot of fun. And we do a lot of... Historic stuff and a lot of clips, and we try to talk with former players and get you set for that game and that week. That could change the conversation fairly significantly going into the final game of the regular season if Mississippi State were to drop that one to Southern Miss.
2: What's our our policy on drunk working, if, if that were to happen? When is our... Do we have a policy on that? Is there anything particular in the handbook that I, 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 sorry, I had that, never that, looked? That's an Ashley question. Don't just don't tell yeah, anyone. She, she's listening though. No, I, 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 I don't. I don't want to do anything. You know, that's not allowed. Just don't tell anyone. What about kid, the, the like now thing, legal and burgeoning marijuana business in this in this uh, state, can I just you know, pop like eight gummies before the show starts and just?
6: I mean, there are some days where I wonder if you have already. So.
2: I'm normally just... I, today I have the itis. Uh, I ate a big lunch. I'm just very... The itis. The itis. I, I was just
4: going to say, I think like most things in life, Mr. Haydad, moderation is the key. Mo- moderation is the key. 5 o'clock hour coming up. We'll start things off with the college football fix when we come back with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk, Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah. Super Talk, Mississippi.
4: Just after five o'clock and it's almost dark outside. Oh, joy. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. Seaspire text line is open to you at 601 879 4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business. It's backed by world class IT. Professionals that live where you do. That's right here in the state of Mississippi. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. Let's jump in now to the college football fix. (music) College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Test drive the Ford F-150, 44 straight years. It's the number one selling truck in America. You can drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. A couple of things nationally I want to throw at you for the college football fix. And we had so much conversation about the financial impact of Southern Cal and UCLA leaving the Pac-12 to go to the Big Ten and the crumbling of that conference and the fact that there are only two left. So a couple of stories that relate to that. First, from the University of Arizona. This is not just a football and a sports issue, but an entire university issue. Arizona President Bobby Robbins tells faculty members that there will be, quote, draconian, close quote, budget cuts after informing the Arizona Board of Regents last week that the university was in a financial crisis. UA projected that it had 156 days of cash on hand for the fiscal year. However, it turned out that the model they were using was off by $240 million. That's almost a quarter of a billion dollars they were off in their calculations, meaning that the school has only 97 days worth of cash on hand in reserves. Robin said, I did know we were spending money, but I thought we had reserves to spend money on. But this is a big miscalculation. You think? The University of Arizona is instituting an immediate 2% budget cut with more to come, including the possibility of cutting sports programs. Bobby Robbins also said that the $55 million loan that the university gave the athletic department during the pandemic is not being paid back fast enough. And this the final salvo as it pertains to sports at Arizona. Everything is on the table in terms of dealing with athletics. This is an issue that is going to require a lot
2: of tough decisions. Whew. Have they considered having a bake sale? Doesn't seem like the worst idea. I mean, at this point, all, all there's no such thing as a bad idea at this point with that. $240 million. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. They can't just go into the endowment and get that out. Not how it works, hey, Dad? No? Uh, I, I thought that's how it worked. So, um, certainly that is disappointing. I don't have it. I am, I'm out of ideas. If bake sale doesn't work, I don't know what to do. Food hmm. trucks? Yeah, I don't know.
4: I don't know. Not good news in Arizona. Um, somewhat related, also from the Pac-12, Washington is worried about the possible financial retribution if Washington State and Oregon State gain control of the Pac-12's finances. That is according to a court filing that John Wilner at the Mercury News discovered. The president at the University of Washington said in a sworn statement, quote, If OSU and WSU gain control of the board, I am concerned (laughs) that they would claim control over the entirety of UW's media rights interests. I am also concerned that, in general, a board controlled by OSU and WSU would decide not to distribute net revenues earned by UW and the other nine departing institutions for competing during the 23-24 year. Losing this revenue would be Mm. devastating for UW and our student-athletes. I know that other departing institutions would face similar issues if they did not receive distributions from the Pac-12 this year. Oregon State and Washington State have responded to the claim it simply said, "Don't start none. Won't be none."
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> I'm paraphrasing. That's true. That's how I would have responded? I actually just made that uh, that part of it up. And finally, so much discussion about Michigan.
2: What? <laughs> did do, do you uh, did you think the people thought that that was a legal response there?
4: Well, I just wanted to be sure. I mean, I yeah. You know. <laughs> I didn't want my testimony <laughs> to be brought up in a court of law.
2: Yeah. Uh, this is fascinating. You, Mr. Cross.
4: This is fascinating. So much conversation about sign-stealing at Michigan. Dave Clawson has joined the conversation. He told Bruce Feldman at The Athletic, quote, I don't know exactly what happened with Michigan or how it happened, but I know how we felt when we did find out that opponents had our stuff. You remember the Wakey Leaks scandal from a few years ago? He says, you feel violated and cheated. You get really bitter. You wonder, why is the NCAA involved in this but didn't get involved in our situation? He went on to say that um, he was only informed by a coaching friend in 2022 that the friend had contacted the NCAA in 2014 about Wakey Leaks. The friend asked whether the NCAA ever contacted him And Clawson slowly replied, yeah, three years later. Maybe the NCAA didn't think that a violation had occurred, Clawson tells Feldman, but, quote, you'd think they'd have at least given us a heads up, closed quote. We were compromised for three years. Those next three years could have been avoided. He's not wrong. He's not wrong, but
6: that came from his own house. It did.
4: Uh, it's it's more, but, but but the point is the NCAA knew about it and didn't tell them. Yeah. Whereas the NCAA has jumped headfirst into the deep end on this Michigan thing. Speaking of that, uh, Tom Mars, by the way, no. is Jim Harbaugh's attorney. Uh,
6: you guys remember Tom Mars? Yeah, he's always in it for the right reasons. But he he's uh, Jim Harbaugh's attorney. And in part of Just their,
2: Michael Michael Borkey said that, not not Brian Hayden. When the lawsuits come,
6: yeah. Uh, there, there's a direct verbatim paragraph in Jim Harbaugh's response, lifted from a message board. A message board post was copied. And Is it Hogville? No, the the Michigan M Go Blue, whatever <laughs> it's their version of Hogville. Their, their version of Hogville
2: wolverineville
6: that that was copy and pasted on the legal filing took out a couple of words but it's yeah
2: no this is without question the greatest scandal in ncaa history in terms of humor there have been more salacious scandals there have been more dirty scandals there have been more avoidable scandals but none have been funnier than this scandal just the remarkable
4: stupidity of it all. Um, Dusty in Arizona, how about a car wash to raise some money? Now we're talking. That's Now that's, we're talking. That's thinking with your brain. Uh, you do no, know that Bobby no bad Robbins ideas. is from Jones County, Mississippi. I played football against him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we remember Bobby Robbins' name prominently during the chancellor searches over the last... Decade at Ole Miss. hmm Yeah. Um, here we go. President of Arizona is from Laurel and is an Ole Miss grad. Was he an Ole Miss grad? He went to, did he go to, med, he went to med school at Ole Miss, didn't he? Uh, University of Arizona decanters for sale. Problem solved. Get on it, Morky.
2: At <laughs> <laughs> <It'd> work. <sighs> you can now own a piece of Arizona history with this Beautiful decanter. Only $15,000 a piece. Minimum two.
4: Somebody suggests, seems like some higher ups should probably be fired. Yeah, That's a miscalculation that you just can't quite make. Hey, we thought we had reserves. We're good, but we miscalculated by a quarter of a billion dollars. Sorry.
2: That's a lot of money. Uh. uh Quinn Ewers is back. I've got it. For Texas? I've got it. World's finest chocolate. Sell it door-to-door. Who's Who doesn't want chocolate-covered almonds? Who says and, no? And, Not and me. Look, it's
4: been a while since people were selling encyclopedias door-to-door. Maybe it's time for a comeback.
2: What's well, everything old is new again. Retro. Yeah. It's retro to have the Encyclopedia Britannica on your bookshelves.
4: Charles and Byron says if their student body can sell 250 million chocolate
2: bars, they will be flushed. That's what I'm saying. Each oh. each kid's got to sell like each student has to sell like 20 bars, I think.
4: Maybe um, 30. That's Arizona State student population you're thinking about. Oh, Amanda says wow. popcorn and cooking dough. Uh, yeah, don't forget about uh, wrapping paper at Christmas, also. Yeah, yeah. We're back after this. Sports These are talk all good ideas. With you in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: Back to Sports Talk Mississippi.
2: It doesn't get any better than this.
0: On Super Talk Mississippi.
4: The response is is continuing to come in from you on ways that the University of Arizona could make money are are good. Dan Hattiesburg suggests that the Arizona Girls Gone Wild video should start up again. Um, Somebody said, it seems pretty clear to me that Washington should make thousands of copies of the Husky mascot uniform and go sell it at furry conventions.
2: Okay. Woo. Uh, nice My favorite Bo one says, so far is $5,000 drawdown. Tickets are hundred k each. Yeah. Problem solved.
4: Bo says he agrees yet again with Hey Dad, when a kid knocks on the door with the world's finest chocolate bars, you instantly go diving in your pocket to see how much cash you have on you.
2: I always think about that scene from The Sopranos, where they got the, they got all the coolers that they got illegally and they're like, you put somebody out there with and say these are five bucks each, who's going to say no? <laughs> it's true. Somebody's like, hey, these chocolate bars are a dollar. Dude, I'll go scrounge up four quarters. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Andy suggested magazine subscriptions. <laughs> I remember that. Was I remember Sally doing Foster? that. I don't remember what it was called. I think they made us... Sally well, Foster's the wrapping paper. Yeah, they they just, uh, this company the comes the best in. wrapping paper known to man. My mom and my wife both agree. Oh, I'm sure, but, like,
6: all the parents just decided, oh, it's good that this company's coming in and forcing all of
4: these children to do manual labor for them. Question, <laughs> seriously. What do you yeah. guys do when your kids have to do a school fundraiser? Borky, you're not there yet. You not probably did yet. it when you were in I, school. Hey, Dad, I, you've had to go through I just it. send
2: an email to people unknowingly. <laughs> I gave you a heads up that that was coming. <laughs> I, still I told get you them. it was Mr. coming. Mr. will you please help? <laughs>
4: like, no, I will not help. I got the same emails, <laughs> by the way.
2: Um, Francis was my so fired up. She
4: got like the little rubber spider monkeys that you throw at the wall, and then they slowly climb oh, down yeah. the wall. She got yeah, that yeah, and, like yeah. a little miniature disco ball. For submitting to no, no email addresses. thanks to addresses. Uncle Brian. The apologies.
2: Uh, that's fine. Uh, when my kids, my kids were in the Girl Scouts, my, my two girls, and they did the Girl Scout cookies, Ooh. and that was a relatively easy sell, though. For you. people want Girl Scout cookies, yeah, yeah. And we we sold a few, well, for me, yes. <laughs> I I bought my six boxes of tagalongs every year, yes. But uh, yeah, like I was able to <laughs> just on the MSU beat get get rid of about 50, 60 boxes a year. Mm.
4: <laughs> These are great. Like, I want to move on, oh, but there's you. keeps... Gonna, no, not no, keep good, it going. Keep it going. Why not a good old pyramid scheme? They could sell some timberland.
2: <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> yes. We are going to introduce Advocare to the University of Arizona.
4: Yeah. Brandon Jackson says that Cutco knives would be a sharp idea. In fairness, Cutco makes a really fine knife. It's uh, so th- the point I was no. making though was: are you are you the no. one that's like, sure, go sell whatever it is you got to sell? Are you just say how much are you supposed to sell, and then you write a check because you so desperately don't want to bother oh, people no. with buying
2: whatever bother... it is that? I mean, like if it was wrapping paper, I would I would probably just be like, all right, we can f- pay for it. But Girl Scout cookies, people want those. Why do we have 38
4: rolls of wrapping paper?
2: (laughs) I'll send you a picture my wife took of our living room one time when the Girl Scout cookies came in to be doled out to everybody who had bought them, and there's like 50 boxes. I mean, And when I say boxes, I don't mean the individual box of cookies. I mean a case of Samoas, a case of Tagalongs, and had like 50 of them in the house. And then in the middle
4: of all of these suggestions... The ultimate non-sequitur. Out of nowhere. Why is it so hard to finish paving a road before moving on to the next? Like, who wakes up and makes the decision to tear the asphalt off this road, pave one lane, leave, and start tearing another road up and paving it? I mean, what, did you run out of money or wait for the car wash sales to clear?
2: Same thing. I,
4: I have no somebody idea here. Don't, don't. why we get that test. Don't
2: forget, by the way, whoever sells the most wrapping paper, they get a pizza party. That's a good point. That'll motivate those kids. <laughs> Manual labor. <sighs> <laughs> I want a BMX bike in second grade for top salesman in the entire elementary. I retired oh after that year. I have a it's late like Glen Gary Glen Ross for kids.
4: I have a late friend that cut the tip of his finger off on a lady's doorstep trying to sell her Cutco knives. <laughs> you got to get out there and close, close. When I tell you these knives are sharp, let me demonstrate. Let me show you. Yeah. What
2: do you think about that? bonsai
4: has got nothing on Cutco. Yeah.
2: Now you either buy this knife, or I'm gonna sit here and bleed on your on your property until you do. I mean, I'd mm. buy the knife at that point. I don't
4: want that knife, but did did you have a mother or a grandmother? Borky, you're you're gonna look at both. me like
2: I am so old. I had two grandmothers and a, that, and a mother.
4: Yeah. That when she went to the grocery store, especially if it was a Piggly Wiggly, collected the stamps. So didn't that the have the it stamps. Worked, So so at least in Coffeeville, yeah. and I know other people have done this as well. When you checked out, based on whatever your total was, they had this machine above the register that had a dial on it, and there was like a dollar amount that coincided with it. And they would turn it like it was a rotary telephone, and these stamps would come out. And there was a place in the grocery store where you could pick up a card or a a, a flyer that had slots where you could you you filled it in with stamps. Mm
1: -hmm. And I know people.
4: My my grandmother, I don't know if she did an entire set, but usually the prize was free dishes. And there are people that have like entire dining room Mm -hmm. dish sets as a result of the stamps that they got when they bought stuff at the grocery store and they filled in their stamp card.
2: My grandparents shopped at the local, there was like a local grocery store down from their, their house. They shopped there enough they had an account.
1: Quality so like you stamps. could go to that
2: grocery store and not have money. Like I could go to that grocery store not have money, get a Coke and a candy bar, and say, so just put it on my grandparents' account. And they were like, yeah, that's fine. Just sign here, sir. Sure. How does that work? Imagine imagine having an account at Kroger. Imagine being able to just be like, I'll come back at the end of the month. (laughs) Literally thought
4: I was ranting to my buddy about the road, not the sports show. I still can't figure it out.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Brad and Guntown. That's what they're doing downtown. Brad and
4: Guntown says stamps for dishes is still a thing. Huh? There you go. Dwayne and Brandon says... Darn, Richard, I didn't realize you were that old. I remember those because I'm that old. Okay. All right. How about a stat of the day, Borky? Uh, let's keep
6: on this and, and refresh next segment. Okay. The reason why I say
4: that is for YouTube purposes. Tupperware yeah. parties. My late aunt sold so yeah. much that every Christmas we knew we were getting something Tupperware because they sent her one thousand dollars worth of freebies every year
2: wow do you know anybody that had the pink Cadillac from uh, from Mary Kay I do yeah. I
4: ab- absolutely do
2: I Wait, mean and, and did your and mom I'm have talking a-
4: about the 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 top salespeople the national directors for Mary Kay right the pink Cadillacs like the Sedan yeah. DeVille, like the, the big pink Cadillac. Yeah. The, big, there's somebody big barge. That, that drives a pink SUV in my town that I see all they the time, Ma- and it has Mary
6: Kay on
2: it
4: They probably saw Mary Kay. They the sell Mary Kay. Probably, probably, ten saw Mary Kay. Ago, probably ten years ago, they switched from the car to the Escalade.
2: Yeah.
6: I've always just assumed that it was a weirdo that wanted pink on their car, had no idea. Like, I don't know no, what Mary free. Kay is. And their
2: name was Mary Kay? <laughs> is that what yes. you thought? Yes. <laughs> I
6: mean, people do weird stuff like that. I Wow. Richard,
2: let's go, let's go. We'll age ourselves again. Did your mom have an Avon lady?
4: Uh, No. I, I mean, I obviously okay. know what you're talking about, but but no.
2: Yeah. My mom had an
4: Avon Did, lady. Have you got a woman ever who joined? showed up to
2: our house once a month and sold my mom makeup and skincare products and things like that. I would just come home from school and she'd just be there and be like, oh, hey, I forget her name, but I'm like, hey, I knew who she was. The Avon lady's here. Um, Avon. Yeah.
4: Did, did you ever participate or buy into one of those? They, they, it was a pyramid scheme, but they called them multi-level marketing schemes. And,
2: and I never I, I, did. Had a, I had somebody try to get me in one. Yeah, but yep. I, I had no part of it. And,
4: and, and the deal was, it was like, okay, you join, and you're under the person above you, but then you had to go get right. you know, fourteen people yeah. or four hundred people to sign up below you, and then the money just started flowing. I think right. the whole I, I asked the, the question the person at the, the very top, and that's about it.
2: Yeah. I asked the question to the meetings, like, do I make more money bringing people in, or do I make more money selling this product? And they are like, you make more money if you bring people in. And I was like, all right, it's good to know, because I was out at that point. <sighs>
4: Sports Talk Mississippi sometimes. sometimes. With you in the Pearl sometimes. River Studio. We'll take a time out. We'll get you a stat of the day when we come back after this.
0: Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Sports Talk Mississippi, thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Don't forget, Southern Miss football coming your way about an hour from right now. They will have kicked off in Lafayette. The Golden Eagles and the Raging Cajuns tonight in Lafayette, Louisiana. Cajun Field. Southern Miss is an eight-point underdog in the game, looking for their second Sunbelt Conference victory. Louisiana trying to get to 3-3 in the league. All right. Time for Michael Borky's stat of the day. Yeah,
6: so uh, been thinking about or trying to think about a new angle to the old Miss Georgia game, and of course, we'll talk about it more tomorrow. But I, I looked up a few stats on the old Miss defense, wondering if uh, they will have enough on-, on Saturday to stop this Georgia offense. Ole Miss has played the number thirteen most difficult schedule in college football. For what it's worth, they have the number nine strength of record. So how they've fared against that schedule, but still number thirteen in America, and their defense ranks thirty second in the country in opponent yards per play, twenty fourth in the country in opponent rushing yards per carry, they're second in the SEC in sacks, and they're fourth in the SEC in interceptions. Those are oddly specific, but. It, meaningful stats for sure. That's your stat of the day. My question is, do you think that despite the vast improvement that they have made from last season to this season under Pete Golding in many ways, do they have enough on Saturday to stop this Georgia offense getting healthier, possibly even, as our guest said yesterday, 15 plays out of Brock Bowers?
4: (sighs) Stop. No. Be competitive with. Yeah, I think so. But but it's it's the combination of what can the Ole Miss defense do and what can the Ole Miss offense do. Who has a better? There's. I'm not hijacking your question, but it's like your question spawned another one. Who has the better day? Ole Miss's offense against Georgia's defense. Or Ole Miss' defense against Georgia's offense? I see you both in deep thought. How often has Georgia's offense impressed I'm this year? They impressed against Kentucky. They, they hung 51 on Kentucky. In Florida. Kentucky in? in Florida. 43 Florida. in the win against Florida. What, scored on their first three mm. possessions, I think? And then kind of leveled mm. off for a little bit. Well, and remember, Florida scored first. Mm. They did seven three right. Took a seven nothing or seven three lead in that game.
2: I think Ole Miss's offense has a better day than the defense does,
4: which may or may not be enough for a win. Right, so right. So like when when you go back and you look at the game, kind of in retrospect, what which was better, Ole Miss's defense or Ole Miss's offense? Ole Miss's defense is more consistent.
6: It's crazy, as, as that is to say, because you know, are they? Yeah. When has Ole Miss's offense been great? Twice now, against the probably the two best teams they've played. Yeah,
4: but over 500 yards of offense well,
6: against the A&M defense is a great day.
4: The second and third best teams they played,
6: uh, and then Alabama. Alabama uh, best team they
4: played. They scored ten,
6: and they were great against LSU. Now the competition changes some, of course, but Ole Miss's defense beat Arkansas. It's Vanderbilt, but the, Vanderbilt had their worst offensive output of the season uh, against Ole Miss. Defense kept them in the two-lane game. Hell, defense kept them in the Alabama game. Talent and depth took over late, but what was the halftime score of that game? What was it 7-6 to six in Tuscaloosa? So you've gotten more good de- – their defense is why they hung around in Auburn. And, again, it, it's Auburn, but still. They had, they've had more – "Quote unquote, great defensive performances
4: than offensive performances this year. Yeah, but but then the performance against Texas A and M was not as good. Yeah. right. Defensively, they were not as good against Texas A and M as they were the couple of weeks before against Arkansas and Auburn. Obviously, Texas A and M is a better and more talented team than either of those squads. But
6: and they're now they're healthy offensively. I mean." You know, Alabama it seems and Milroe's gotten better as the years gone on and stuff like that. But I mean, think of what they didn't have in Tuscaloosa.
4: They didn't have Trey Harris for all practical purposes, and they didn't have Caden Priesthorn. The offense is different, completely different with those two guys on the field. Yeah,
6: completely and, different. And, and Watkins's hand, uh, I mean, seemingly getting more useful every week. The the, the bandages on it are lesser and less uh, as the weeks go on. They, I mean with the Pettis injury changing the statement, but when it comes to weapons, remember Judkins had the rib thing early this year too. This is as healthy weapon-wise as they've been all season.
4: What's the number of points that Ole Miss is going to have to score to have a legitimate chance to win this game?
2: 31. I'd say 35, but same difference. Yeah.
4: Georgia scored 30 in the win against Missouri. You, you, you can't help but look at a couple of the scores from the first half of the season and go, wait. Georgia beat South Carolina 24-14. And they beat Auburn 27-20. to Now I do think that we can all go, okay, this is a Georgia, a different Georgia team now than in the first six weeks of the year. They did enough to win in those games. And, I feel like to some degree that has kind of stuck with us. And we remember the slow start against UT Martin and Ball State before they turned it on in those games. But it's almost like Georgia's kind of lulled us to sleep a little bit this year. They just keep winning. You've heard the numbers. 26 in a row, 42 of the last four in football, 42 of their last 43 and consecutive national championships. And that goes back to November 8th of 2020 when that 42 of 43 span started. So your overall question, does Ole Miss have enough on defense to slow down the Georgia offense? I think Pete Golding... Based on what the Ole Miss defense has done so far this year, will have a game plan that has the Ole Miss players largely in the right position to make plays. But because there haven't been just a ton of like busts this year, no. I mean, every defense is going to have some. You're going to have a blown coverage or a missed assignment, and you know it turns into a big play, and you're like, how was nobody around it? There haven't been a lot of those, just, just full-on busts. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, Ole Miss has been in the right place to make a play on defense. they have got to have a really good tackling game, or a really good game tackling. I think my answer is yes. Doesn't mean they'll do it. Can they slow them down? Yes. Can they stop yeah. them? Can they shut them down? No, probably not. Not for four quarters. Follow-up question.
6: I, and it, it changes constantly because that's what it does. But the the forecast has changed dramatically for the game Saturday. Yeah. I mean, they're they're expecting now rain
4: during the game. Yeah, I pulled it up just a second ago. So during the day on Saturday in Athens, high of 56, 50% chance of showers. Saturday night, low of 47 Cloudiness with occasional rain showers. Yeah, I don't. I don't think they're talking about enough rain to really have an effect. It's not the rain that they got during the Tennessee game last year. I, will it ever rain like that again in world history? That was. I mean, that just turned into a big old party for Georgia fans yeah. in the rain.
6: The only thing, because people are asking what what benefit that serves. Like you said, it doesn't seem like it's enough rain to like make the field sloppy or whatever. I think when it comes to running game versus running game, Ole Miss would have an advantage. But you do kind of hope that rain in the forecast, cold rain subdues a crowd.
4: I'm not sure you're subduing this crowd Saturday. Probably not. I think the only way that crowd hope. gets subdued is if Ole Miss somehow punches Georgia in the mouth and and it's not close. And that seems highly unlikely. And then the cold rain comes. Get up 14 to nothing, and then the monsoon comes. Here is, is a question that I've been thinking about as well. We, we've talked about Ole Miss being a really good fourth-quarter team. And in, what, three or four of their wins this year, they've trailed in the fourth quarter. Maybe it's four or five of their wins. I don't know. If this is a one-score game, if Georgia has a one-score lead, three, seven, six, somewhere in between, going into the fourth quarter, does Ole Miss's confidence level go up? If it's a ball game going into the fourth quarter, is Ole Miss able to kind of call on, this is where we want to be? Fourth quarter has been ours this year.
2: Something to that for sure. They've been such a really good team in the fourth quarter. So, yeah. yeah. It's Anytime you have that. Anytime you have the underdog on the road, they stay in the game till the fourth quarter, they're in full believe mode when that whistle blows.
4: Yeah. And to they're me, the other before. thing that Ole Miss has done a really good job of is answering opponent scores they answer especially late in the ball game.
6: Mm-hmm.
4: It happened with LSU. It happened this past week against Texas A&M. George is a different animal than those teams though. We'll be back Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up next in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
0: can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi.
4: Boys up for a little, trivia. A little trivia Sure. how many teams and to name them have spent time ranked number one in the college football playoff rankings since its inception
2: I'm
6: glad you didn't get your trivia from the Michigan State marketing team by the way
2: <laughs> no. Uh, no Alabama. Correct. Ohio State. Correct. Tennessee. Correct. Georgia. Yes. Uh Has Michigan been one? I don't uh, think Michigan. you're has you're one missing
6: one. an obvious one. I'll I'm
2: get... I'm saving the best for last. Is Michigan one? No.
6: Oh, I'm not talking about okay. the best. You're missing another obvious one. Think, think about me.
2: Oh. Oh, Clemson, LSU, and State. That's the seven. 24 weeks for Alabama. That's double
4: the next most Georgia with 12 weeks. Clemson, eight. Ohio State, five. Mississippi State, three. LSU, three. And Tennessee, one.
2: See, state, state 2014, just the same as LSU 2019. Just basically the same teams. Basically. Yeah. Basically. Heck of a week for basically. Tennessee. <laughs> just went out of Georgia and got slapped <laughs> in the mouth. Number one, huh?
4: In the rain, no less.
2: <laughs> yeah.
4: In the rain. Somebody, Somebody asked, hey, they going to forget
2: State. Guys, come on. <laughs> Oh, me.
4: Um, Somebody said Ole Miss will pass state the week of the Egg Bowl for most weeks ranked in the college football playoff poll.
2: There you go.
4: I do not have access to that number in front of me, so I will have to take your word for it. Help that state's at zero this
2: year. And going to remain that way.
4: Um Dwayne says, "Proud of Ole Miss, or proud for Ole Miss? But wish we were having as much about state this weekend. Talking as much about state this weekend. Not even sure if Will is the quarterback. If he's not, definitely a big L. Yeah, it's an L Delane, in a way." Dwayne, I mean, you you have been a longtime listener. You you know that we've worked really really hard to make sure that the conversation is balanced, but. We're in a spot right now where when it pertains to Mississippi State, you're, you're just saying the same thing over and over. And, and it's like the conversation, whether you intend for it to or not. And, and my guess would be that this would be like with the interaction of your friends as well. Like if you've got buddies that you talk about state football with, <sighs> the conversation almost immediately goes back to coaching.
2: I can't. I can't escape. Like, if you're an accountant, when you get home, your friends aren't just texting you about accounting all day. But when I get home, my friends all day. Mississippi State, Mississippi, and which that's fine. You know, I don't. I don't get mad at him. It's like I can't escape. I can't. I can't ever get away from Mississippi State sports. And it's 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 a hundred percent negative, basically, all the time.
4: It's your chosen lot in life, also.
2: It is, it is the burden I have chosen to bear. Yeah. That I don't forget, Morky.
4: tomorrow we will have a food Friday brought to you by Polk's Meats. want to hear from you. I got you a good more.
2: one tomorrow. Oh, yeah? Ah, Give me a hint. dog meat. Be, it's beefy. Yeah, it's what's for dinner. Yeah. yeah well, that's what's going to be for Sunday dinner. You're right. Very good. Hey, don't forget, lots
4: coming up in Oxford. Uh, it's all brought to you by Visit Oxford. Find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Keep up with the schedule of events for holly jolly holidays. And don't forget that the uh, ice rink at the City Pavilion at the corner of University Avenue and Bramlett Boulevard opens on November 18th. So that is nine days from now. It's Saturday, November 18th, first day of the ice rink, and it will be open until the first couple of weeks of January. So we have plenty of time to ice skate at the, uh, at the rink in Oxford. So that's coming up. Be sure to follow uh, on all of the social media channels. Visit Oxford MS. Prediction? Southern Miss tonight? Yes or no? Getting it done? You believing? And I don't mean like hashtag we believe. Just like, do you believe they can get it done tonight?
2: Never again. Yeah, they can win. They can win. they got to play like they played these past couple of weeks. But, yeah, they can win. Okay. forky
6: uh,
4: yeah, they can win, for sure. Neither are you going very far out of that limb.
2: Nobody's saying they will win, but they can win. C- couching, couching, Go ahead, rows. Richard. Take us Careful. out there.
4: Heck yeah, they're going to win tonight. Uh, Picking uh, yeah. up that third victory of the season, the Golden Eagles. Two in a row in the conference. Get it done in the land of the cages, One of Brian Haydad's favorite places on planet Earth. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Have a great night.